1: Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com.
0: Welcome to the Action Catalyst podcast. And today we have a very special guest. Jamie George is a transformational coach who has been actively serving as a mentor to hundreds of executives, writers, directors, musicians, and he has also been coaching me. And it has been so fun working with Jamie in his mastermind program and getting to know him. Please help me welcome Jamie George. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for taking the time to get together here. Yeah, man. Been looking forward to it. You know, it all started in a hot tub in Estonia.
1: (laughs) I'm often cautious about leading with that line, but yes, it did. A a very large hot tub, Yes, actually. Yes,
0: there was lots of other people there. Yes, yes, yes. It (laughs) was like a pool, actually. And I believe there were cigars involved. There
1: were cigars involved. Good cigars.
0: The first time we met.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Isn't that where you meet all your good friends? Yes. Over cigars
1: (laughs) in Estonia in a hot tub. (laughs) Yeah. That was my first, Uh, actually.
0: I love that. Uh, And man, what a fun journey we've been on since then. And I think one of our very first topics that we talked about was you were thinking, man, I ought to do this mastermind. I, mm-hmm. I have this vision of working with leaders and, and different people that have, I think your words were slayed the dragon to take their life and goals to the next level.
1: Yeah, I, I spent 30 years in nonprofit. And spent some years teaching at a university. I taught in a high school. I coached early on. Then I was in church for a while. And I realized my happy place was optimizing people's lives, not optimizing the organization's life. And different people are wired differently. And it took me a little while to figure out that really was my happy place. Like I really love like seeing the potential in a human being recognizing that they want to get from here to there, but they're often stuck. And a lot of times we're stuck because of family of origin or tapes that are playing in our head, just thoughts. Yep. And if we can break those down, help them get unstuck and watch them flourish and lean into that thing that makes them come alive. I come alive in the process. You know, I enjoyed a little bit of the, the run with all the leadership stuff and the organizational stuff when you're trying to run a company or a business or a nonprofit. But at the end of the day, it's been fun for me just to be back with people.
0: Well, I remember when you said all of that, going, well... That's exactly what I'm looking for.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Turns out there was a need. Yeah, right there. And it's funny because there is that kind of second half of life where you did a thing. You know, I think especially 20s and our 30s, we're trying to prove ourselves. Like, do we have what it takes? I want to slay the dragon. I want to know I went like, a, and I did a thing. And then you get to this place in life where it often happens 30s, 40s. You know, I kind of did a thing. Do I want to do another thing? Or, or where else do I find value now? Or where do I find meaning and purpose? This has been my experience, especially with people who, who are high achievers, who have a lot of wealth. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what you accomplished. If you don't have a sense of meaning and purpose, you feel incongruent and something's not right. And you go to bed and there's just this satisfaction that's missing, Mm -hmm. especially for high achievers who go, I'm functioning at 80%. Now I realize that might be better than a lot of the world, but I know there's something that I'm not doing. Some people say to me, I feel a little lazy or I feel a little off or I just know I'm meant to give more, but I don't know quite how to get there. And don't we all need coaches? Don't we all need trainers? I don't get up in the morning and run wind sprints on my own. That's right. Like I'm not doing it unless somebody's making me, yep. unless I got a trainer, hold me accountable to go do it. And so there's yep. something- My trainer about-
0: was at my house this morning, <laughs> 6 a.m.
1: There's not a chance I would have worked out without him being at my house at 6 a.m. That's it, right? <laughs> it's just the nature of understanding how we're wired, that if we're going to punch through that resistance, we need accountability.
0: Yeah. I think especially leaders, every leader needs a coach. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, to really take the gloves off and to go into just full transparency, you need a different environment as a leader a lot of times. But being able to be with someone that is spiritually aligned Mm. and philosophically aligned and value alignment is important. But then also even the structure of people that don't know each other and people from different backgrounds.
1: Yeah, there's this cross-pollination that happens in that, right? Yeah,
0: it's almost like you cultivated a group of leaders to all be helping each other, but not competitive or or putting the ego on the shelf or anything like that. everybody's
1: in the same business and no one's in your business, Mm -hmm. which is helpful. Right. So there's emotional safety there of like, okay, this is disconnected from my vocation, but these are other people who have succeeded at a high level. And it's just this wide range of industry and life experience. So you get to really see interesting perspectives. Like this group of people would probably not normally just go hang out. Oh, this is my (laughs) favorite
0: part. There's two guys that one of the guys looked at the other guy and said, I just don't like you. (laughs) and the other guy goes well that's okay and he goes I just don't (laughs) and now fast forward four or five months they're best friends and they're hugging each other (laughs) telling each other they love each other but it, it started with I just don't like yeah, you.
1: It was amazing. And, I, and Which, again, that speaks to that kind of quality of person, right? Who's like, no, this is where I'm at. And the other person's like, okay, most people like me. If you don't. That'll be interesting. Like, okay, let's see how this goes. And the sparks between the two of them have actually been really significant in the moving forward. Just to watch the sparks rub and see how they're changing And the two of them have, uh, you know, the interaction has actually helped them grow.
0: Yeah. So you're the author of three books Mm -hmm. already. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're writing a fourth book. So a lot of the answers to interpersonal problems or work problems or things that people are struggling with, a lot of times you're able to answer it through this methodology you've created called the red triangle, green triangle. Yeah. And the book that you're writing is called what? Going Green. Going Green.
1: And to clarify, the concept comes from a guy named Stephen Cartman who who identified this thing called the, the Drama Triangle. So he created it back in the 60s. Okay. And it's it just kind of morphed into this term. Most people refer to it as the Red Triangle. Okay. And Red and Drama, you know, they kind of go together. The concept is there's three different primary ways of relating and on this triangle, It's all about avoiding responsibility. And so the ego in us does not want to take responsibility. We want to avoid, blame, shift. We don't like to acknowledge our own failure. So the way we do that is through avoidance, and we tend to fall in one of these three categories. There's a healthy version. Now, this didn't come from Cartman, and the truth is I don't know who it came from. And I heard about the red before, but I never heard about the green. So I've kind of imported that into it, and I use those with kind of a collection of things from – priests, and business coaches, and psychologists, sociologists, a bunch of this stuff into just kind of framing my own thing that tends to work with my clients.
0: I have a few scenarios that I'd love to hear oh, your thoughts right. on.
1: Okay, that'll be fun. Uh, okay, let's set the frame this way. If you feel like there's any relational tension in your life right now, so this could be workplace, could be personal. By the way, it could also be with yourself. Most of our problems could be argued, comes down to one thing, expectations. Mm-hmm expectations, it's been said, are premeditated resentments. Now, if you stay in there for just a second, you go, wait, every expectation, just sit in it for just a minute. What if every expectation is just a premeditated resentment? Then every time you have an expectation, you're setting yourself up to suffer. You're setting yourself up for pain. You're setting yourself up for unforgiveness. You're setting yourself up to be blocked Mm -hmm. because You expected someone else to behave another way. That's really what expectations are. They're just our ideas about how other people should behave. The problem is it doesn't work. There's too much ambiguity in what you think the other person should know, because you call it common sense, the other person may not know. You have a different family of origin. You carry a different wound. They come from a different culture. 100%. All right. So if you go, well, if I'm not allowed to have expectations, what can I have? Try replacing every expectation with an agreement. So when you make agreements, suddenly everything changes. So you've got clarity. Mm -hmm. Now what you'll find as we go to the triangles is the red triangles, often about ambiguity, expectations, unspoken things, and the green triangle is very much about making agreements. Mm -hmm. Because now you know where you are and you can hold yourself accountable and you can hold other people accountable. Red triangle, it's all about avoiding accountability Mm -hmm. and responsibility.
0: And boy, is our world full of that right now. Yeah. So walk us through, let's say I'm a leader and I'm dealing with a difficult person. So the scenario would be they're just bucking the system and they're not respecting you as a leader. And the leader is frustrated. They get pissed off. They want to fire the person and they just think the solution is it's easier just to fire this person and get rid of them than to to work with a difficult person.
1: All right, so what I would need is, I need something a little more specific, and here's why. So in broad generalities, like this person's difficult, I should fire them, right? So anytime somebody comes to you with a problem that says, hey, here's the problem, they're a problem, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'd like to fire them, can we be done? There's no real data or information, it's all emotional. Yep. So pull it out of the emotion, get it down to the concrete, make them give you some hard data. So this person is a difficult person. Give me an example of what makes them difficult. So let's say the team
0: member is talking about the leader behind their back to other team members and talking about how the leader doesn't show up on time. The leader doesn't give them the support that they
1: need. So it's a gossipy situation. Okay, good. All right, so I got two concrete items and then I got a bunch of stuff that was still vague, right? So undermining, not supportive, what does that mean? What you think is supportive might be different than what I think is supportive, Mm -hmm. right? So it's still not data, but we had two data pieces. One is this person is gossiping, they're going to other people, they're building an alliance, they're avoiding taking responsibility by speaking negatively about situations with the other person. And the other item I heard was they don't show up on time. Now, my question to your leader would be, have you made an agreement that showing up on time is something that you've agreed upon? Show up Mm -hmm. on time according to who? If you go to other countries, for instance, I spend a lot of time in South America. If they have a time you're supposed to leave, you know, we're going to leave at 9. That means maybe 10, 11, <laughs> because relationships are more important than punctuality. Yeah, It's purely culture. It's not right or wrong. So I'm sitting with my South American friends, and they're like, I said, I thought we were leaving at 9. And they're like, well, yeah, but I mean, we're having a great conversation. Why would I give up on a conversation and leave on time? I'm scratching my head like, why well, aren't people on the other end waiting for us? Maybe they could be having a good conversation too. Oh, so the whole culture works like this? Yep. It's relative. Mm-hmm. Now you go to other places and like on time is 15 minutes early. First thing I do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say to your leader, hey, can you take some ownership for a moment? Have you been really clear on your agreement with said employee about being on time? Is that clear? Mm-hmm. Now let's play this out for a second. So your leader could be like, Well, no, I didn't tell him he needed to be here. But of course, that's what leadership is. You show up on time. Doesn't everybody know that? I mean, this is just basic Stephen Covey stuff. You show up on time and they might even get a little animated about it. So your leader is actually a victim because his guy is not doing what he's supposed to do. And your leader is now suffering because he's not functioning the right way. Mm -hmm. Now, you could say, you know what? Actually, I wasn't real clear about that. Mm -hmm. So I'll make an agreement with him about being on time. If he breaks that agreement, then this is how that will play out for us. If there's a pattern of that and that happens two or three times and you probably just don't want to work here, we'll make an agreement. And if you can't show up on time, you understand that you're communicating to me. You don't want to work here anymore. So in other
0: words, if I'm a leader, the rule would be, I can't be mad about something that someone that reports to me is doing if I haven't been very clear about what the expectation
1: is. I haven't made an agreement. So get rid of expectation for a second. I haven't made an agreement. So
0: no matter what the behavior or lack of behavior is, if you haven't already instructed them,
1: then... How do they know? How do they know? So Love you're it. importing an assumed culture, okay? Now, let's reverse it a second. You say to your person, they go, yeah, they, they just keep... They don't show up on time. You say, well, did you make an agreement with them? Yes, I did. I made an agreement. And they're not showing up? No. As a matter of fact, not only are they not showing up, they're taking advantage of the grace that I've shown them, and they're gossiping. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I made an agreement. I got a boundary. And the boundary is that our team shows up on time, that we respect each other, and that we don't talk about each other behind one another's back. Can I negotiate whether or not I maintain employment for this person? Mm-hmm. Super clean. You notice how even kind of the emotion kind of dies off. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be animated. We made an agreement you'd be on time. And we also were really clear ahead of time. If you have a problem with me or someone else, you go directly to that person. You're not allowed to build an alliance on the side. Mm-hmm. Let's say you go, hey, remember that conversation we had about showing up on time and about not gossiping? Oh Yeah, well, you haven't shown up on time and you've been gossiping, so you broke our agreement. So you understand other people are paying the price because you haven't been kind and you're not pulling your weight, showing up late. So that person right there, you're inviting them. I want to invite you over here. I'll negotiate with you if you'll take responsibility for this. I'm going to give you one last shot at this thing. And I need the pattern to change and here's the accountability you're willing to do that and this is the hardest place to go for most people and it's painful for all of us because mm-hmm. this happens with your kids happens with your spouse it happens with everybody you know go to the first moment you raise your voice you didn't take the garbage out I can't believe you know and you're freaking out because somebody didn't take the garbage out and then your kid says to you something like well you didn't tell me the garbage day had moved Yep. Well, you should know the garbage day. It was <laughs> Memorial Day. Of course they didn't take the garbage yesterday. Yeah, but I, well, I didn't know they didn't take the garbage. Well, you should just know that. Well, Why should I know? The agreement was I take the garbage out on Monday, not Tuesday. It's true. I did not communicate effectively that the garbage day had moved. And so rather than me actually losing my mind and lighting you up for not taking responsibility, I actually have to take responsibility for not effectively communicating. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd like the garbage to go out. Will that work for you? Well, no, I'm doing my homework sorry that doesn't work for me boundary is it's got to go out now is that clear i'm still your authority oh okay mm-hmm. so they in real time that's how fast this stuff can move mm-hmm. so what you hope with an employee is once you confront them and you invite them to go green they'll come green but what you'll find here's the temptation for a lot of us is the guy will go let's take our guy who doesn't show up on time and gossips he goes well, look, it's not really my fault. I mean, I've, I, this day was traffic and, and I got in a kind of thing with my wife and you don't understand, you know, she's been dealing with a thing. And, and, and so, I, I mean, I wasn't on time here. And where did he go? Victim. Yep. So he didn't follow the invitation to ownership. Mm-hmm. It's not my fault. I showed up late. And look, uh, you don't understand. It's hard to talk to you as a leader. You're really driven and you're intimidating. And so instead, I'm talking to my friends about you because I need their advice on the best way to talk to you. hmm now he's trying to rescue himself. Now, again, if your leader's in a good place, he, he might go, when were you going to get around to talking to me? Was, well, I, you know, I, eventually, I, you know, can you give me a time and a date when that was going to happen? Well, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, you, like I said, you're just intimidating and you're, now here's what happened. You get him in a corner. Let's say the leader stays really solid. He goes, here's the thing. I'm going to invite you one more time to take some responsibility. Are you willing to take responsibility? For it? You know what? This company, this company sucks. There's mm-hmm. the dance. Mm-hmm. They will often try and pull you into the dance. Yeah. And so here's here's where the leader loses when you get pulled in. This company sucks. Everybody's doing. This company sucks. Are you kidding me? Do you know the way you've treated me for the last three weeks? You've been talking about me behind my back. Do you think I like that? Do you think I like going to bed knowing you've been talking about I just joined the dance. And now here we go. One person jealous, the other person. It's all drama all the time. All we do is avoid. We can almost always take responsibility for something. Mm-hmm. You know what? My tone was not real kind. Mm-hmm. Hey, the timing probably wasn't really good.
0: I think the worst piece of advice I got when I got married 15 years ago I had at least six men, old men, tell me, the number one thing you need to do is just say you're sorry. Uh, So I spent the first five years of my marriage saying I'm sorry for everything, even though I didn't know what I was sorry for. Well, I guess I'm supposed to be sorry for this, so I'm sorry.
1: And this is a little bit of the older generation, this was their way of resolving tension. I will just be the martyr, I'll sacrifice. Now, I'll lay in bed and fantasize about how the other person should die, but I sacrificed and Mm. I I was the martyr, But what happens is the person who stays the rescuer very long eventually has resentment. Mm -hmm. There's a psychological deal that's often cut with rescuers and victims. You meet someone who goes, I don't quite have what it takes. And the rescuer goes, great. I can be the hero. Mm -hmm. I love to be noble. I'll solve all the tension in your life for you. Codependence. There it is, right? Codependency. If you're not okay, I'm not okay. So suddenly they cut the psychological deal, but it only lasts for so long because pretty soon the victim's like, I'm just tired of you telling me what to do. I'm tired of you always doing everything. I'm tired of you. And the rescuer is like, oh my gosh, when do you get off your lazy butt? Like, I So eventually it breaks down. And again, it's why you're in a sick, when we say, hey, you're stuck in a loop or you're in a cycle, yeah. you're just, you're in the dance. Yeah, Red is about intensity, which is false intimacy. So you can have connection in the red. People can live and die in the red. Lots of family systems do. Mm -hmm. they get intensity. They get super bursts of intensity. And they feel connection in that. Mm Because it is intense. Like, I see you. But it doesn't last very long. It's very temporary. And there's often a lot of pain and resentment that's associated with it. Mm -hmm. Green is about intimacy. Mm. Into me see. I'm owning it. I'm taking responsibility. Negotiating means I see you. You're a person of dignity. I'd like to negotiate. Would this work for you? Mm -hmm. This worked for you. And then boundaries is really, uh, it's self-care. It goes, this doesn't work for me. So I got to show up for myself. People who are really, really codependent really have trouble with boundaries. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This would be my first book.
0: I've recommended that book hundreds of times.
1: Yeah, I had somebody say to me one time, hey, what if you treated yourself the way you treated other people? Mm -hmm. Would you consider her just once? Because he was saying you're often very loving and kind, but you're not really kind to yourself often. Mm -hmm. And it was true. He called me out. Almost every problem we have comes down to whether or not we love ourselves. Mm
0: -hmm. Take that to the extreme is narcissism. Yes. And so how would you play that out? Now I'm a team member and my boss is a narcissist. Yeah. Everything they say is just all about them. Mm. They take credit for (laughs) the successes. They blame you for all the failures.
1: So you recognize this is a system that's in the red. Your boss is lost in this systemic way of being. You go, I don't want to lose myself. So you've got two options. One is I'm going to hold the line. I'm going to just keep modeling what's healthy and keep inviting him, the rest of the team members, try and change the system where I can by modeling and inserting this healthy way of relating. But there is going to be an ongoing tension. It's like being in a marriage where one person lives in the green and one person lives in the red. Like it will be ever present tension. Mm -hmm. So what I would say to that employee is hang around as long as you can. And remember that this is important. The moment you begin to feel like you're losing yourself, like your your dignity is, as a human being is being shredded or dismantled or what you're crossing into abuse. Right. Perfect. Yes, now that's abuse. And it's not okay to be abused. That's right. Now, this is an important thing to remember is that some of the work I've done in kind of neuroplasticity and neurobiology is that we have synapses that are firing, right? Often what we call is true is just our thought about what's true. So one of the things I have to do is I've got to be really honest and go, is this true or is this just my thought about what's true? Is this my judgment about it? And one of the terms they use in psychology is differentiation. When I'm differentiated and I'm not enmeshed, I'm not codependent, use the word you used before, mm-hmm. you're losing your mind, you know, whatever. If I'm totally differentiated, I'm like, yeah, it sucks for you. That sounds like a lot of suffering, but I'm I'm good. When we can be that clean... We stay in our green while the person explodes. It's like watching a comedy routine. Yes.
0: It's like, oh, this is interesting. Yes.
1: <laughs> and what a great word. Interesting is such a perfect word because you're there without judgment. It's only curiosity. Mm-hmm. And when you're really in that healthy place, you can even look at the narcissist with some compassion yep. to go, that must really suck to live that experience and probably something in your formative years shaped this mm-hmm. so i actually can have some compassion for you i don't get lost in you so that's a great illustration for what could happen but let's say i came out of a fragile experience or was a death or a, a, a dealing with health or whatever and i'm just i am fragile this might not be the right relationship for me no matter if a good paying job or not if i'm losing myself i'm being abused mm-hmm. that's my responsibility mm-hmm. not the uh, responsibility of the abuser Mm-hmm. Not in that moment, because the abuser doesn't even know. You know what they say to abuse victims? When therapists sit with an abuse victim, one of the things they say is, hey, the moment you were abused, you were the victim. And the next moment, you were not. Mm-hmm. Because if you stay in it, then it becomes your identity. And you're always giving your power to the abuser. Mm-hmm. Waiting for the abuser to change. You're responsible for your life. So if it's too much, you, know, you may have to create separation to get grounded and get healthy. -hmm. I did an experience. This is my wife's idea, actually. We we were speaking at a thing, and I had all the couples stand up and give each other a hug, and they had to hold the hug for 30 seconds. Fascinating. I had a chance to kind of watch them. Then afterwards, I said, All right, stay standing, but just turn around and face the front. I said, Can you tell us where was your center of balance? And it was so interesting to listen to these couples say, oh, like one lady was like, well, I was leaning against the chair because my husband's weight was on top of me. I had another lady say, well, I just felt like he was engulfing me when he hugged me. I had a man say, I could barely hold my balance because she was leaning so much on me. And you realize, wait, none of you are standing on your own two feet. But it's a great picture of like, how much are you counting on the other person to orient your life? Mm can you hold your place in the world? Are you grounded? Some of these kind of words we use, you now begin to see like, oh, that's, it's metaphorical, but it's actually almost literal. Like, am I grounded? Can I stand on my own two feet? Or am I always looking to lean on someone else so that I could stay firm? And so when you're in an experience with a really difficult person, the first thing you get to go is, well, this person came into my life as a teacher. There's this lovely quote by Peter Crone who says, life presents to us people and circumstances to reveal where we're not free. Mm-hmm. So the first thing when you have a difficulty is go, ah, oh, this is a blessing for me. This is a gift. Yep. Where am I not free?
0: Yep. Especially when the person is giving you feedback that you don't want to hear. There's an element of truth in almost every piece of yep, feedback. Yep. And letting that be your first thought versus defensiveness yep. or or just discredit or whatever might go through your head. But to go... You're actually making an effort to come and tell mm. me something. Mm. I might not like what mm-hmm. I'm hearing you say, but something is triggering this. Unless the person's just completely right out of their mind, yeah, which might happen from time to sure, time. Sure, that person may, be, not, may
1: that person might be avoiding responsibility and wanting to deflect on you, right? That's right. But as you said, they almost in. An, anytime someone's giving us feedback, there's at least it's their perception. Mm-hmm. Right? It's coming from somewhere. There's at least a perception, so yeah. we get to. And, and this is this is my encouragement for when you're being, when you're given feedback, is pause and don't respond quickly. If you've talked over the other person before they've even finished, there's a real good chance you're in the red. Mm -hmm. But if that person can finish and you can take pause, just give me one moment. Let me consider it. Slow it all down. Is there anything in there I can own?
0: My favorite thing to do as someone that takes more than a second to process it, a trick was repeating it back to them. Hmm. Let me make sure I'm hearing you right. And as close to verbatim, if not verbatim, say it exactly how they said it back to them, sometimes they just go, yeah. And sometimes they go, well, what I really meant was, and then there's this whole other thing, or it's just they said three things and it's one thing.
1: That exercise in psychology, they call that mirroring. Mm -hmm. Parents who have kids, this is a great opportunity to say, could you say back to me what you heard me say? Yes love that all the time. And what are we doing? Yeah. This is the, this is the intuiting, in an intuitive way, we're basically going, can we make an agreement here? Can you say back to me what you heard me say so that we can agree upon what we just heard? And you know how many times they don't? It's, right. It's like, it's most of the you're time. You're like,
0: did you not hear anything I yeah. just said? Or they say something completely <laughs> different. And it's like, Okay, I wasn't saying that at all. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about what we were actually let's, talking about. Let's try that again.
1: Yeah, yeah. let's and, try that and again. And you just do it one more time. And, and again, and a kid who's who like, doesn't really want to do the chore or wants to avoid this consequence or whatever, they want to be the victim or they want to avoid responsibility. So they're saying it back to you to kind of soften the blow for their ego, whatever it is, right? Love it. But that's a great exercise. Mm-hmm.
0: There's lots more with Jamie, so be sure to tune in for part two of our talk in the next episode of The Action Catalyst, where we tackle topics like emotional intelligence, keeping egos in check, and managing high-level individuals using rules from the world of improv comedy.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that The Action Catalyst is up to, Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.